Okay. Well, thank you everyone uh, for joining us this week. We're going to be talking about the stock, or should I say first party launcher experience on Android. We have a special guest with us, Kevin Barry, who is the lead developer of Nova Launcher. If you've ever looked up installing a third party launcher application on your device, you have very likely come across or have used Nova Launcher in the past. It is one of the longest um, standing actively developed third-party launcher applications on Android. And we're really happy to have Kevin here on the show with us. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Glad to be here and nice to talk to everyone. Yeah, Kevin, I, years ago at Google I.O., like Google I.O. 2016 or 17 or something like that, you know, I've used Nova off and on over the years, but when you talk Michelle, I think a great place to start is really why Android is special because of the way it uses launchers and how they're handled. Right. So I'm sure most of you know what a launcher refers to on Android. Generally, when people talk about it, it's the app that provides the home screen interface, the um, interface where you can launch applications from, you can put widgets on, you can change a wallpaper. It's the, perhaps the app that you interact with the most because it's where you, well, where you launch applications from. That's why it's called a launcher. And the one of the key differences between Android and iOS since the very beginning has been the fact that you can change the launcher app on Android and you can't do that on iOS. So pretty much all iOS devices have the same launcher, pretty much a similar home screen setup. And, you know, it was a big deal when iOS started getting some minimal home screen setup customization, but Android has had that for years. And that's been one of the biggest differences between the two operating systems. So I just wanted to throw this quick question out to all of you because, you know, launchers have been around for over a decade now. Android itself is over a decade old. Have you ever used a third-party launcher for an extended period? And by that, I mean, like, you installed it and you kept it installed for not just like a week to play around with, but for months or maybe years. And if so, are you still using one today? Well, it's probably no surprise, but I do use Nova Launcher. But to go back in time a bit, when before I made Nova Launcher, so in the Android 2.x era, then I was the developer of Widget Locker as well, which was a custom lock screen also based on the launcher code, the open source Android AOSP launcher code. At that time, sometimes I would just use the stock launcher, but I also tried ADW Launcher and Launcher Pro. And part of the reason I was using them was just to get a different experience as a developer and how Widget Locker interacted with them. But part of it, especially if I was using uh, like a Motorola device that had an awful launcher at the time, I got the better, the more Google-like experience by using one of those launchers rather than the OEM launcher. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing to bring up as far as the OEM experience back in the day, because they were especially that Moto, their software layer was called Moto Blur, and it was notorious for just terrible, terrible performance and really heavy-handed. Modernly, most Android launchers are really just on a common launcher paradigm, but it wasn't that way back in the day. Yeah, and one of the key differences between stock or first-party launchers, I should say, and third-party launchers has been customizability. And to this day, I think third-party launchers still have most first-party launchers beat when it comes to customization. And though I generally have been very displeased with OEM launchers, to give credit, uh, Resizable Widgets was first done by Moto Blur, and Scrollable Widgets was first done by HTC. And then later, I mean, then the third-party launchers adopted that. There was a custom API for sending widget sizes, I think, and for scrolling. And then eventually, Google officially supported those things. Yeah, and we see that across Android platform, Google pulling from partners for interface elements or features. And the launcher is one where I think you know, we've really seen that evolve uh, a whole lot, both from other Android makers, also Apple, which is interesting. Yeah, so Kevin, you clearly have a lot of experience with launcher applications on Android. You've been making Nova Launcher for over a decade now. I think it was this past December where you guys just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of the release of Nova Launcher. It was released back in the era of Android 4.0 ICS. And, you know, you, you guys are still updating it to this day. It's, it's pretty incredible. But I just wanted to ask you, like, what's it been like working on this project for so long? Do you have any particularly me memorable moments you want to tell us about? I guess there's a lot. 
it's certainly, it's been a long time. And when I got into, I mean, when I got into Android development, it was, I had a day job. I figured Android development was a hot, indie Android development was a hobby for fun and eventually be good on a resume. But I didn't really expect to, to stick with it this long and to be doing it independently this long. The launcher aspect, it's, it's an exciting place that there's, it doesn't get stale. So there's always, you know, I have features that oh, sometimes I add a feature and I think, oh yeah, I first thought about doing this back in Nova 1.0 or something. I didn't get around to it until now, 10 years later or something. So there's plenty on the backlog to do. And it's also keeping up with what Google or OEMs are doing. And sometimes that's, you know, working around stupid bugs. That's just frustrating. But other times it's all like adaptive icons. That was a cool new take when Google first released that. And now it looks like they're going to do more with theming of that. So it's. It's fun to just see what's out there and what I can make use of. So on that note, actually, Kevin, and, you know, feel free to, to no comment on this one. It's, it's a forbidden subject, but, you know, obviously space for so long, launchers are interesting, not just to users. They're interesting to phone manufacturers and because they're surface on which a user is going to be interacting with their product. And I know at some point, Nova did have a partnership with one phone OEM, which we will not name unless you want to. What's your experience? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's public information. The Nova shipped on the Razer phones, the Nat Motorola Razer, the Razer, the gaming company phones. OEMs kind of struggle with the launcher that like, you know, an OEM like Samsung, of course, they're putting a lot of work into scanning the whole device and the launcher is a key part of that. But smaller OEMs like Razer, they don't want to deal with as much of that. And launchers are an area that it's hard to find an existing developer that has experience in launchers. And it's what Google gives you, excuse me, the stock launcher three doesn't give you enough to be compelling. So for the, how the Razer deal came about was Razer bought Nextbit, which was a small startup making phones and Nextbit made their own launcher. And part of that was they had this cloud sync feature. When they were working on it, they realized they hated doing launcher development. And most of their users were power users that are installing Nova Launcher. So we had talked a little bit back then, just like if we could have some API to improve their cloud sync and third-party launchers and nothing came of that. But then they were acquired by Razer and around right at that time, they were emailing me saying, are we working on a future phone? We want to see if you'd be interested in working with us on this. And I was pretty pleased with that deal that it was... Like they shipped actually Nova Launcher, whereas some OEMs, I've been contacted before by OEMs, they want to white label the launcher or something. And that, uh, it's more work, it complicates things, and it's just a bit less interesting. Uh, so yeah, I, I was pleased with that setup. It was, there wasn't too much, they had already tested Nova Launcher on the, the Razer phone. Also the Razer phone, that was one of the first standard devices to have a higher, higher than 60 frames per second screen. So they had tested Nova at that and it ran fine at the 120 Hertz. I think they did some basic CTS. That's the Android compatibility test suite. They had done some of those basic tests against Nova launcher and it mostly passed. So there weren't too many surprises. They had a couple of things they needed an API for them to customize some things, but it was pretty straightforward. I've talked to other OEMs on talk to reason more. The, I like working on a product for consumers. And working with OEMs, if, you know, doing a white label launcher for OEMs, uh, they don't really know what launchers are. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what users want. They don't necessarily care what users want. It's not something that's that interesting to me, but I do see like there's a, there's a need for this. And so if someone out there wants to make a launcher for OEMs, there's a market. I think that's really interesting. And I think it gets into... I guess the question of what's good for the user and what's good for the OEM. And that's what Google is trying to balance with, uh, with its stock launcher efforts. And I think Michelle, you know, if you want to head in that direction and discuss how the stock Android launcher has evolved over the years. Yeah, it is interesting to hear from you that uh, a lot of OEMs are quite, I guess, clueless when it comes to making launchers that users will actually enjoy because the launcher is probably the most important application on an Android device. And it's the app that there's most interact with, but you know, Google for what they're doing is they foster the development of launcher applications. As you mentioned, the AOSP reference implementation that's available to everyone is not that like feature rich, but Google does continue to iterate on it. They do add new features and 
It's what most OEMs base their launcher applications on. It's what Nova bases its, or it's what, it's what you guys base your launcher application on. It's what many other launchers base on. And that's especially become more and more important to do because of how much has been baked into the launcher application. As the title of this podcast episode will tell you, the stock Android launcher does a whole lot more than just be a launcher. It's not just the place for you to launch your applications anymore. So while we're on this subject, I wanted to take things back a bit and talk about, you know, the, the reference launcher implementation, how it's evolved over the years. So it's been around for pretty much uh, almost a decade now, launcher three, from what you said, it, it launched in 2013 with the release of Android 4.4 KitKat, but it's been iterated on for multiple releases and every time there's a new Nexus or Pixel phone launch, there's some new feature added that further differentiates Launcher 3 from Google's Pixel Launcher implementation. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is, when do you think the playing field first shifted in favor of stock launchers? And by that, I mean, when did the Launcher 3 implementation start requiring some system-specific integrations that just aren't available to third-party launchers like your own? So it actually, it got better and then got worse. The, I, I'm not familiar with the launcher, the original launcher code. So launcher two is when I first really got into that code. And launcher two used a ton of private APIs. So if you just took launcher two and tried to compile using, at that time it was Eclipse, but using the standard Android SDK, it wouldn't compile because it's using all those private APK, APIs. So what I did in Nova Launcher, when I first started Nova Launcher 1.0, so I took the code and I still try to use the private APIs because it's using them because they're faster or they can do a bit more or whatever. But I just had fallbacks for everything because any future Android version might fail on these APIs. So that was just kind of a lot of work to, I had to wrap all these calls, like every, all the animation effects in, in Android, uh, in Ice Cream Sandwich, that was kind of new to the launcher. It had these like somewhat 3D effect and like this holographic outlines and stuff. And they're all using these uh, view transforms, like set fast X, set fast scale X. And those fast things were skipping steps, but it's a private API. So I would use those for the speed, but I'd fall back to the slow one just in case they stripped it out in the future, which of course they did. Uh, Launcher 3, the first version of Launcher 3 was really built to be a launcher library that Google Now Launcher, which was actually part of the Google APK. So the Google app, which I'm sure is incredibly complicated, is now including this Launcher 3 library, and they need to be able to ship it on the Play Store and support multiple Android versions. So this was really good for launcher development is that they cleaned up the code to not use private APIs, and they actually started supporting older Android versions. Whereas before, if they're, if they're assuming they're going to ship the launcher as solely on system image, they don't need to worry about different Android versions. It's shipping just with that one. So initially it was looked kind of good with Launcher 3, except that the Google Now page itself was tied to the Google Now launcher. But then they gave up on Google Now launcher being a third-party launcher and just focused on Pixel launcher, which is again, a system launcher. And now development is weird that the partially there's the system UI, which is a system APK. It handles uh, the notification shade, the uh, lock screen, including the security part of it, recent apps, kind of. and. That's where things got weird is they started integrating system UI and the launcher. And so this was first really visible in, uh, Android some, some point or some point one, where they integrated the launcher's app drawer was visible in the recent apps field. So it looked kind of weird, but you had your dock of icons at the bottom of recent apps on as the same as the, uh, it was not the same as the dock on your home screen. It was the same as the frequent apps in your app drawer and you swiped it up and it had your app drawer. Uh, so it felt kind of integrated, but it wasn't that useful. But this was a level where it would be very hard to do this without the apps being integrated. So they started integrating that. Then they killed that feature anyway, but they kept the gesture, they made gesture navigation tied to the launcher. And the only real advantage of this is animations. And you can fix this other ways, which they've partially done and then regressed. And it makes it much harder to be a third-party launcher. And it also means that OEMs now, when they're changing launcher code, they're messing with system UI code and it makes it all more complex and they're more likely to introduce issues, either just system UI by itself or when dealing with third-party launchers. Additionally, the backwards compatibility, the current AOSP launcher three for Android 12 
it still has some checks in there for, oh, if you know, if you're running on Android 11 to use this API instead of this one, but it also just completely crashes if you try to run it on Android 11 as is. It's using APIs that, I mean, I guess they exist, but they don't work right. So it's not clear, like, what's, what's their goal? Like, I feel if their goal is to just support Android 12, that's fine, but rip the bandaid off and just do that. And if their goal is to support older Android versions, that's great for me, but they don't really. So I still need to, you know, go over things and add my own checks and workarounds anyway. So you kind of touched upon a really, really important change to Launcher 3 while you were talking about the history of changes there. The introduction of gesture navigation, which happened with the release of Android 9. That release introduced the two-button navigation gestures, but most importantly, it tried to integrate the recent apps overview code and move that into the Launcher 3 code base. And the reason uh, Google wanted to do that, as Kevin mentioned, is to improve the way animations look. Google wanted to make gestures seem seamless so that when you do a swipe up from the um, gesture pill in Android 9 Pi, it quickly moves to the recent apps overview without any hitches. And that the app tray on the bottom, you can quickly switch between applications by dragging the pill left and right, et cetera. And, but the problem of doing this is that moving so much privileged code to Launcher 3 kind of turned third-party launcher applications into second-class citizens because they just could not be the uh, provider of the recent app overview the same way that system-installed launcher applications could. And I'd say that's probably, that's probably what started the diversion from the, that's, that's what started to diverge third-party launchers from system launchers in many ways. And, but many people don't know exactly like how this affected third-party launchers. So Kevin, can you explain a bit how moving gestures and the system UI code for recent apps into the launcher three code base affected third-party launchers in, in some detail? It looks like Kevin was kicked off his requested speaker. Let me see if I can give it back. There we go. Oh, sorry, Kevin, did you catch what I said at the end there? So I was just going to ask you, as you know, that with the introduction of Android Pi, the quick step provider was created and third-party launchers aren't able to act as the quick step provider. And by that, I mean, they're not able to implement the recent apps overview or uh, handle gestures the same way the stock launcher can. I just wanted to ask you, what problems exactly did that introduce for third-party launchers? Like, can you describe the troubles with animations and app task switching, et cetera? Well, so the first limitation was that we couldn't be like recent apps would look different. Recent apps wouldn't show the app drawer and the top row of it when using a third-party launcher. And that visually was very noticeable, but it wasn't, it didn't feel buggy or anything to, to Google's credit there. The change where gesture navigation stopped doing that, but it was about animations is the animations look worse, which confuses users. OEMs introduce issues that like some OEMs don't show the clear all button if you use a third-party launcher. And then of course, users, you know, assume that this is. Well, it looks like Kevin once again cut out and I'm going to add him back. Okay. Shows him as connecting. We're sorry for the technical difficulties there, folks. This is going to be a fun edit in post. Speaking of which, I'm just going to mark a clap here for myself. Yeah. In time here. We'll get Kevin to continue his thoughts on, on that topic, but I guess the overview and the reason we're asking a lot of these questions is that Google has taken a, as Kevin said, a, a greater degree of control um, over the launcher application, even though it is open source and even though well, it's not necessarily direct, it can be quite technical in that Google's not challenges, but it's introducing work um, to emulate its experience. And it looks like Kevin is back. Sorry for that. I unplugged my USB microphone. I don't know if that was causing it. The Twitter app just keeps exiting. Well, so to back to gestures. Yeah, so Google integrated gestures with the launcher to get these better animations, I guess, and because they built the framework for when the app was there. And it makes it behave different when using a third-party launcher. And sometimes this is issues added by OEMs, like not showing the clear all button. Oh dear, did it happen again? It looks like it may have. <laughs> well, I guess I can uh, 
continue some of the thoughts there. If you've been paying attention to some of the recent changes that are being introduced in the upcoming Android 12 L release, Google is adding a taskbar feature in at the bottom of the screen on large screen devices. The taskbar is kind of like the taskbar that you find on desktop operating systems. And that feature is also being built into Launcher 3. So it's just yet another example of how the Launcher is becoming the one-stop shop for everything gesture and task related. And uh, yeah, it's, it's doing so much that it just isn't available to third-party applications. I don't think we'll see an API anytime soon that will let Nova Launcher, for example, become the taskbar provider. Let's shift over to that 12L discussion with the taskbar, because I think that is the most dramatic of the Android launcher we've seen in some time. Kevin, what do you see Google is trying to accomplish with this 12L um, launcher? And do you think that it's just really the beginning of what they're trying to do here? So in AOSP, there's actually been a secondary launch, secondary display launcher. So this is meant, so if you plug your phone into a TV, it can have a different launcher on it or a computer monitor or whatever. And this is kind of supported for third-party launchers, which is great that they can also be secondary display launchers. And the code in AOSP says it'll look at the default launcher if it has a secondary display launcher. It uses it, otherwise it uses the system one. But naturally, OEMs override this. So for And Google doesn't actually support plugging your Pixel device into a TV. So this is basically, you can only test it on a custom ROM because Samsung supports t- uh, screens, but they have their own DeX solution on that display. So I think that this Android 12L taskbar thing is kind of an extension of that, of how do we get a more desktop or tablet-like UI that is um, transient? It'll appear when appropriate, but not always there. And yeah, I'm concerned with how much is going to be accessible to third-party launchers. And I imagine it'll be limited. And there is, there's a degree of Google kind of trying that like there's the, they did improve animations for when exiting an app returning to the home screen and there's the secondary display launcher there is the api there for it so maybe they'll throw a small bone to uh, third-party launchers with this taskbar thing but i'm sure it's not going to be enough and it's not going to be well tested because google doesn't like the gesture nav contract for that return animation they just don't test it or they you know minimally test it but not with actual users because they don't build a third-party launcher anymore Yeah, that is one thing that users will probably come across issues and bugs with the third-party launchers on devices that run 12L. And it's something we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for. But to Google's credit, they do make some general, they do make a lot of general improvements that affect the, improve the user experience for all users of third-party launchers. For example, Android 12, Google made a big deal about the improvements they made to widgets. And although widgets are not, you know, they're not, contained within launchers. They are an integral part of the launcher. In 12, Google revamped the design of of widgets to encourage developers to implement Material U. They revamped the widget picker experience and the setup and post setup experience for widgets. And they also introduced a developer support library that makes it easier to build layouts for widgets. So there's a lot of widget related work that Google did in Android 12. And I wanted to ask you, Kevin, what do you think was the most significant um, change they made in 12 in terms of widgets. I think it's, it's not so much the technical, but it's that they're encouraging users and developers to use widgets and to update them to be modern. Widgets on Android have always been a strong point of it. And then, well, I guess they were a strong point and they kind of stagnated. So like a lot of my users are using KWGT custom widgets. And this is a great program that lets you customize, build your own widgets however you want. But of course it's, and you can, it's one app so you can make them all look similar however you want it to. But of course it's limited what data it has access. So ideally third-party apps all have widgets and you can have them all together and they actually look good. But that's the limitation is that like the Gmail widget is going to look bad next to a Twitter widget because they just use different uh, colors and sizing and everything. So Google encouraging material you for widgets, I think that's a place that Brand apps aren't going to be too concerned about their brand. They're going to feel it's fine if it doesn't have, you know, their normal color shade because it's going to be on the user's wallpaper anyway, and then it'll blend in with other widgets. And then users will be able to build these nice themed home screens without having to build all their own widgets by themselves using KWGT or similar. 
So uh, widgets aren't the only um, feature that Google is touching when it comes to the launcher experience. Android 12, they recently began to experiment with themed icons. And currently, these themed icons are hard-coded. The list of them is not, it's not something that third-party developers can, can implement at the moment. But uh, for the longest time, many third-party launchers and OEM launchers have supported icon packs. But it seems Google is taking a different approach with themed icons. I wanted to ask you, Kevin, what, why do you think Google hasn't added icon pack support to the Launcher 3 experience yet? And what do you think of its new themed icons feature? So issue with icon packs is that a third-party developer is deciding what some app is going to look like. And so this can happen on Nova Launcher. The icon has changed a bit over the years, not significantly, but it has changed. And sometimes I see themes where they still using a really old icon of Nova and basing their icon off that. And it just looks a bit wrong. And for bigger brands that are more particular about this, they could be pretty upset with Google. Google's letting them change, you know, their logo, their colors to something random that some dev decided, especially if the dev, you know, didn't like an app, so they intentionally made it look bad or something. So I can see there's kind of a responsibility Google has to app developers to not let their apps, uh, their app I. Well, it looks like we lost Kevin again, but I don't know where he was going. And it's, it's a really interesting users probably don't think about with icon packs, which is that there's a lot of intellectual property at play in a logo. It's a trademark. And so companies are very protective of that. And that's why you see there just isn't really, you know, any impetus on the side of Google or device makers to, to reshape another company's icon or product or iconography, I should say, because A, you get them in legal trouble it just needlessly upsets people. But as a user, unifying that design language is incredibly desirable. And that's why icon packs are so popular. And it's why I think Google will probably take a different approach with the themed icons in the next Android. Speaking of what Kevin and David brought up, you know, Google doesn't want to let users mess with icons themselves. But if app developers were to implement themed icon support on their own, perhaps by, say, implementing an adaptive icon, then Google could update the platform API and make it so that the platform uniformly applies monochroming and then tinting those application icons, implement dy dynamic coloring for icons. So I think that would probably be an approach that would be the best of both grounds. It would give users the ability to theme icons and it would avoid the intellectual property disputes that might arise from, you know, letting developers submit icon packs that, you know, modify a brand's logo in some way. To continue, themed icons, having them hard-coded doesn't work. You can't have a compelling home screen. Having an API where developers can make their own monochrome icon and then the system can apply colors to the background and foreground, that'd be really cool. It'd let users have, uh, easily have a customized home screen and, you know, be able to change the colors or change the wallpaper or change the colors and it'd give their pretty launchers something to play with. Like we might be able to do interesting things with that. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And there is one more question I wanted to ask you on, on that note. Are there any launch existing launcher three features you'd really love to implement if it was possible? So, I mean, yeah, I'd love if I could integrate gesture navigation. And I can't partially, it'd be cool to integrate it and let users customize gestures, you know, extend it. So maybe swiping from the side of the, from the left side of the screen is different than from the right side of the screen or from the top is different than bottom or two finger gestures or whatever, like giving the Nova style customization of gestures to system-wide gestures would be awesome. But that's, I can kind of understand why Google wouldn't want to give third-party launchers that level of control of the system because it could break so much. It could make the phone kind of unusable and difficult to change the settings back. But it'd be very fun if they allowed it. I don't really see that happening. But if they, I feel they can fix animations. And if they could fix that and fix, I guess there's also, there's the new um, deep search, which I've, in theory, it might be useful by third-party launchers, but I believe the apps that are putting things in a search would have to opt into that. And I don't see that happening. But the idea of that search is that the search on your launch will be able to search like, you know, your bookmarks in Chrome or something. And I'd love to be able to do that. But I don't, I, the, the way the API works, you can put anything in there and anything can search for it. 
but there are permissions there and I can't get any results right now, at least. Yeah. From, from what I've seen, the universal search feature that's on the pixel launcher, it's not actually provided by the launcher itself. It's provided by the Android system intelligence application, the service for that search experience which is a separate app that's exclusive, uh, or the, the, most of the features in that app are exclusive to pixel devices. So I don't know how third-party launchers would be able to implement that. Yeah, there's two parts of the, the new search API. So there's a com backwards compatible version. You can use an older Android versions, but it's meant for like you to integrate in your own app. Like if you have a note taking app, you can integrate this and you can use it as a search function, but it can also publish to the system and then other providers can search it. And all the documentation just kind of says it in this way, but of course there needs to be security on it and it doesn't reference. So if you want to make it available to third-party launchers, and I tried making my own app where I insert something and try to search for it from another app and I'm unable to get the results. So it doesn't look promising. That is one issue in particular with a lot of these platform developments. They're just not very well documented unless you're an Android partner and have access to the presentations and the documents that Google prepares and only gives out to its OEM partners. Hey everyone, this is David. I'm just dropping this clip in here to let you know this is where the recordings separate between our Twitter space that we did with Kevin and the later Zoom call that we did to finish up the conversation. We understand the audio from the Twitter space isn't great and we are probably not using that going forward. So if things just kind of jump around randomly, it feels like that's why. <laughs> Okay, Kevin, so you touched upon a really important change to Launcher 3 while you were talking about the history of changes um, earlier. The introduction of gesture navigation that happened to be released with Android 9 Pi included two-button navigation gestures, but more importantly, what it did is it integrated the recent app's overview code and moved that into the Launcher 3 code base. And the reason Google wanted to do that, as Kevin mentioned before, is to improve the way animations looked. Google wanted to make gestures seem seamless so that when you do a swipe up from the gesture pill in Android 9 Pi, things move quickly to the recent app overview without any hitches, and that the app tray on the bottom, when you quickly swipe left and right, you can switch between applications, and it looks um, pretty seamless. But the problem with moving all of this code from system UI to Launcher 3 is that it added a lot of privileged components to Launcher 3 that launcher that um, third-party applications are just not able to access. And because of this, it kind of turned third-party launcher applications into second-class citizens, where they couldn't be the provider of a lot of this critical functionality the same way that pre-installed system applications could. And I think this is probably the biggest case of where third-party launchers and system launchers start to diverge in terms of functionality. But um, what a lot of people don't know is exactly how this divergence from the system UI code to Launcher 3, how exactly that affected third-party launchers. So Kevin, I wanted to ask you, can you talk about how this change affected third-party launchers in terms of like animations and task handling? Yeah, so the, the actual animation issue, this is solvable without integrating the launcher and the system UI together. And also integrating the system UI and a third-party launcher is a solvable problem. They could have, just like the launcher itself replaces a kind of a core system component, they could build the API in a secure way that allows third-party launchers to do this just as natively as the system one does. So these are somewhat artificial limitations, but I think the motive is basically they're just trying to do it quickly and simply, not that they're, you know, intentionally trying to punish third-party launchers. They just neglect them. But it's, it certainly hurt the third-party launcher market is that some users want the best gesture experience and it's hard to offer that as a third-party launcher because we just don't have access to the, the system components that the stock launcher. Uh, so this is kind of in the iOS direction where the launcher is just part of the system and you can't change it, is now the gesture launcher integration is just part of the system and you can't change it. Yeah, so that's actually a great point. And the, like more part of the reason we started this discussion is because Android is such a complex ecosystem and Google has been slowly taking more and more control over the launcher code base. But at the same time, because they're the gatekeepers of the Android ecosystem, they also have a responsibility to all the other partners and developers who rely on them. So whenever they make such a big change to like Launcher 3, for example, it propagates and it affects many other parties who are using that code base. 
as Kevin said, Google probably didn't intentionally want to break third-party launchers. There's probably a lot of Google employees who love using Nova Launcher within the company. But the fact of the matter is they had a priority. They wanted to implement gesture navigation. They wanted to make it seamless. So, and they also had a limited time frame to do so because they are on a yearly release cadence. So they got this out first. They moved the code base to Launcher 3. And then slowly over time, they started to improve the experience of third-party launchers. Yeah, and an issue also that happens with the with Google doing this is how the OEMs interpret it is before OEMs would make changes to system UI or they'd make changes to their stock launcher, but this didn't have as much impact on third-party launchers. Like certainly we've had to deal with things like widgets being built into the launcher or widgets not actually working or needing weird workarounds to work, but there wasn't as, they weren't as tied together, which meant the third-party launcher could exist on an OEM system much better. Whereas now, since Google made the integration, OEMs continue with that. And sometimes they introduce all these weird issues by integrating Gesture and their launcher. So some OEMs have just blocked third-party launchers. Uh, some change weird things in the UI, like sometimes the close all apps button isn't shown in the recent overview. And sometimes we just get these really weird bugs. And, you know, we tell users, yeah, sorry, that's basically what your OEM did on your phone. It's going to happen with any third-party launcher. And they don't want to hear it. And we don't want to tell them that, but there's not another answer. It's just the way it is. And I think that's uh, kind of a good segue into what really, you know, a launcher does conceptually, not just for a smartphone, but Android as the platform is on a variety of form factors. So you have televisions, you have wearables, you have cars now that fully run Android for the in-vehicle infotainment. And Google has differing policies about which of these platforms it wants to make a reference launcher available for as an open source product versus gating it to, you know, the GMS or GMS equivalent with these operating systems. So Kevin, I guess I'd be really curious, you know, have you ever thought about developing a launcher for Android TV? And I, I don't even know how feasible it would be for Wear OS. I'm guessing not at all, but... You know, it's, have you thought about other form factors and is that really even possible with them? I certainly have. Wear OS back the, the very first builds, I think you could replace the clock face, but you couldn't receive touch events. But then uh, I think I was one of the first to discover, but I don't think I publicized it. Uh, there was a workaround you could use these, some old Android APIs. You could get touch events and kind of proxy them through so you can handle touch events. So I did experiment like, you know, could I build some kind of launcher, or, you know, tappable widget, but partially where is a small platform, Nova takes a lot of time to work on. So it'd be a distraction from that for something that might not go anywhere. And yeah, like you said, it's, there's limited possibilities on that form factor. Android TV would be more interesting. Still, there's the fact that it's a bit more limited, less user base, uh, and people who want to watch TV are more focused on watching TV, whereas using your phone, it's something you're you're constantly interacting with. So the launcher is much more of a key thing there. But actually Android TV doesn't allow natively replacing the launcher. Like, you know, there's some hacks and workarounds, but nothing good. And even OEMs are required to use the, the Android TV launcher. So that's doesn't provide a market for launchers there, which is sad. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of disparity I, I wanted to highlight. And I guess maybe get your take on what Google's philosophy there is, because with Android on smartphones, you know, when it came, when Android was initially released, the being able to change the launcher was just one of those such a basic functionality that was like clearly built into the OS. Like they wanted that to be something the user could use because it was designed for power users. And so being able to do that made sense because in Windows, you can completely change your interface too. And on Mac, you can do actually a fair bit, but it's a little more limited. But that's anyway, I guess my question is, how do you think Google thinks about launchers on these other form factors? And does it feel like maybe it made a mistake with how it handled them on phones in retrospect now? I've certainly always worried, like, what if Google, you know, stops supporting third-party launchers? And I've heard, I guess, mostly from the Play team, kind of customization is a huge part of Android. It's a strength of Android over iOS. And, you know, they intend to keep supporting customization, including third-party launchers. But of course, they could change their mind. It is interesting seeing that they're not allowing this. And so we're like uh, Android Auto. Okay, that is more, there's safety concerns. That's, you know, it, it needs to be more laser focused. And Android Wear does, it's different, but they do have customization. Android TV is, seems 
kind of, yeah, why, why did they make this change? And I do worry it's that Google realizes how important having control over it is. And they've seen that with Android with OEMs and how to, you know, regain some of the control that they gave OEMs early on. And third-party launchers is an aspect of that. So it's something I also worry about with Fuchsia is if, if Fuchsia, you know, really ships on phones or on mainstream consumer devices, and if it'll allow customization of things like the launch. Yeah. I think both of you brought up great points about how, you know, the ability to change the launcher on alternative Android platforms is very limited. And um, it's also limited by if you're an Android partner or not. If you're signing GMS licensing agreements, then you, even OEMs can't change the launcher on their devices. But if you are not a GMS licensee or you don't intend to ship GMS on a product like many of our customers do, then you have much greater control over the launcher experience because you can you can swap the AOSP launcher for whatever you want. Although, of course, because the Android TV launcher is not open source, the Wear OS, or pretty much all of Wear OS is not open source, you have to develop a lot of that UI from scratch, which is requires significant development effort. And that barrier is what I think is most interesting about Google's strategy, because with Android, they have with Android on smartphones, it's such a global platform. It's so big that open sourcing a lot of these components for that form factor, Google knows that just because Android is already open source, somebody's going to steal all these ideas anyway. They're either going to reverse engineer or they're going to figure out a way to copy it or they're going to use an APK without permission like some Chinese phone OEMs do anyway. And they can't really put that cat back in the bag. Whereas with TV and wearables and, you know, probably things like I'm looking at my, you know, Nest Hub right here. And that is one where Google has clearly decided an extreme level of control over the experience is what they want. They want full control. I don't think the partners on smart displays can change anything about the software experience meaningfully. So it's interesting to see over like the last decade how Google's philosophy has changed um, and how they've embraced I mean, there is a certain power to it, right? Controlling the experience and they can guarantee certain things work certain ways. But Kevin, like you said, that also, I think, is leading them to make decisions where they're like, well, if we don't have to worry about this being accessible, then we can do it this way. And even in situations where maybe there is an accessible way, they might be ignoring that up. Yeah, it it changes their focus is if, you know, if the focus is just about the user allowing customization, uh, or even if the focus is purely on the user, but if they're thinking, and of course they should think about future development, where they're going to take things. And I run into that. I mean, every software developer runs into this is what you build today. How is that supported in the future? But it's, they have a responsibility running the ecosystem and they've, you know, started this ecosystem and then kind of restrict parts of it. And it's, uh, we've seen that in other things as well, that like uh, reading SMS messages, there is privacy concerns, there's good reason to make some changes there, but also it messed up SMS backup apps or other apps that, you know, might interact with that. Um, Tasker, I think has, you know, weird workarounds for, for that and a bunch of other things. And it's, you know, it's a challenge to get the right balance. And I think a lot of power users like myself kind of prefer the, the older balance where, you know, there was, it was, and it was a bit more of a free for all, but you could do a lot. And now things are a bit more restricted, which is unfortunate. So here's an open-ended question for you, Kevin. If of all the major kind of platform releases of Android over the years and kind of not just restrictions, but changes in features, what do you think has been not the most impactful? But I guess when you look back, like what were some things that maybe you had to give up or had to deprecate or otherwise work around that you feel like really unfortunately degraded the user experience in a way that Google hasn't since rectified? It's interesting. So my previous app before Nova Launcher was Widget Locker, which customized the lock screen. And that, it, Android, Android never supported customized the lock screen. So Widget Locker was just abusing APIs. It, was, it wasn't doing anything the way it, you should do it. And it worked fairly well, but that was partially the, the way users use their phones, then a lot less had security on their phone. Uh, so they didn't have a pin or anything. There weren't really fingerprint scanners. So then having a fake lock screen could kind of work. Adding in security, which I like or tried to work with the system security rather than prevent like a fake security screen. 
but there'd be challenges doing that. And then as time, like it's just kind of every release would break a little bit of widget locker and I'd find new workarounds, but they wouldn't be complete. And eventually I had to give up on it, uh, I think around uh, Jellybean or uh, KitKat or so. For Nova Launcher, I mostly try to stick, like I've avoided um, the workaround to, to support gesture integration with launchers. Like some using Rue, some launchers try to support the quick step API and they can act as the system provider for gestures and then they can get the more clean animations. This is really impractical even using Rue because it basically ties your whole code base to one Android version. So like you build it to support Android 10 gestures and then Android 11 comes out and now you need to move your code base over, which breaks gestures on Android 10. Or you have two different code bases, one for Android 10, one for Android 11. So it's really impractical to support this going forward. And so that's why I've avoided it, which is unfortunate as I generally do, you know, if I can add an extra feature for users with root, but this isn't just a lot of work to do. It's a lot of work to do every Android version and then breaking compatibility or, you know, stop updating, make Nova always just support the latest Android, which would alienate a lot of users. And most users aren't rooted anyway. So gestures since the beginning has certainly been an aspect there, but it's not something that Nova, you know, once supported and then didn't. It's something Android as a platform added. For what it has supported and then removed, the biggest thing I guess would be storage access. So in this case, very early on, the way APKs, you could access APKs changed a little bit. And so the theme format stopped working. So like, I think it started with paid icon themes. They were installed encrypted from the Play Store, and then launchers couldn't access them anymore. So paid icon themes kind of st stopped working around Jellybean. And so then we changed the theme form and it came over with the workaround. Then later, uh, now they've had external storage restrictions. Uh, so that hasn't hit Nova too hard, but like the backup restore system I've had to change to compensate for this. And also like Beautiful Widgets, which was the very famous widget app back in the day and it hasn't been updated in many years. The way that widget displays themes in itself, Android 12, Android 11 broke that if you target Android 11 or higher, which now the Play Store requires everyone to do. So Beautiful Widgets, it appeared the Nova update broke it when Nova started targeting Android 11, but really it's Beautiful Widgets no longer works uh, with themes because of this change in Android about how apps can access each other's store. You brought up actually two pretty interesting points in your discussion there. And the first of all was the deprecated lock screen widget functionality, which I actually didn't know it wasn't, was using APIs in a way they weren't intended to be used. So I thought it was actually like officially supported functionality. It's been years. Right. It's been a long time since that, that release. Widgets on the lock screen was supported officially in Android. Oh, right. But okay, Widget okay. Locker predated that, and that was oh, okay. officially supported. Interesting. Yeah. I have seen some attempts to revive that functionality. One of my friends actually developed an application that uses Android's system alert window API to create an overlay on top of the lock screen that, that inserts widgets of your choice. It's very hacky, and it works. But there is a um, platform-level return to the feature uh, that Google has baked into Android 12 and also somewhat makes available to OEMs. They call it their um, Smart Space widget, which is the code name for their at-a-glance widget. So it is possible for OEMs and platform developers to insert widgets on the lock screen. It's just not accessible to third-party developers anymore. And the second point that you brought up is the um, theming of icons, actually, which is something that Google is taking a new approach in with Android 12. You, you could see the beginnings of it with their new themed icons API. So I kind of wanted to ask you two questions on that front. Why do you think Google hasn't added native icon pack support to Launcher 3? And what do you think of its approach to themed? So native icon theming is kind of a, there's a responsibility in doing it. So a third-party launcher, I don't feel it's a big deal if I'm letting users theme, you know, with your Twitter icon and now it doesn't have a bird on it, but it has, you know, something different, a hashtag. But from if Google was doing that, then Twitter and other companies could get pretty upset that their icons are being changed by a arbitrary, you know, by some artist decided I'm going to draw it this completely different way. It doesn't fit their brand. And this is, so it's very important. And Google does work with other brands on this, like even the adaptive icons originally, they had to work out how to handle when circle is a very important part of your brand, 
that matters for you and how that impacts if you're using an adaptive icon. So I can see why they wouldn't want to natively support icon theming because of this responsibility to the, the other apps in the ecosystem that don't want their brand messed. So the way they seem to be approaching it, right now it's all hard-coded in Pixel Launcher, which is ridiculous and basically unusable. You can't, no one's going to have a home screen of just Google apps. So then you mix and match and then it looks really bad because they clash. But presumably they'll fix this where any app will be able to design their own monochrome adaptive icon. And then the system or a third-party launcher can apply its own background and foreground color. So I think this is, it won't replace icon themes as they are. Icon themes are so diverse and they can change icons in any way. Whereas this is much more limited, but it's a nice, simple way that will let the system theme it nicely. Makes it easy for uh, developers to keep their brand by just designing a simple monochrome icon, which basically every brand has some form of already. And uh, yeah, it'll make the stock launcher look better and it'll give third-party launchers some, you know, we can do more interesting things with it too. If you're an app developer listening to this right now, mark my words, make an adaptive icon for your app now, get ahead of the curve because I am thinking it's very likely that this is the approach, as Kevin mentioned, that Google will use to bring dynamic coloring to app icons. And if you want, if you don't want your app icon to visually clash with others on a user's home screen, then you can start your work right now and be ready for whenever Google opens up an API for icon theming. Interesting stuff. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. And thank you for coming on to do a re-record after our unfortunate incident. <laughs> this has been Android Bytes powered by Esper. If you're a company building an Android device, even if it's not a smartphone, even if you don't need something as powerful as Nova Launcher, but you're just trying to figure out, okay, what is an Android launcher? How do I use it to do what I need on my product? Esper is a company that can help you out. Come get in touch with us. We're at esper.io. We build our own operating system based on Android. And we have our own launcher too, but it's designed for businesses. So a uh, little bit different. In fact, very different uh, from Nova Launcher in almost every way. Kevin, where can folks find you and your projects? I'm not very active on social media, but you can join the Nova Discord, uh, which you can find at novalauncher.com or from Nova Launcher itself, open settings. And there's a icon for Discord and icon for Twitter, which is Nova underscore launcher. Uh, or I'm Kevin slash slash on Twitter, but I really haven't tweeted. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll catch you with another episode of Android Bytes next week that will hopefully be a lot smoother in terms of initial execution. Catch you next time, everybody.